beard that's long and white. Who sends the beard that's long and white? Who comes round on special night? Who sends the round on special night? Special night, beard that's white. Welcome to a late. Tigers SRD here live on Twitter and live on YouTube. We're a little late because my iMac, the second week in the row, decided to have a mind of its own and the whole camera just stopped working. Eh, it's like, eh, I want to do it. So, so we had to reset and um, all that. And we got a new background and also we've been working on my shelf game back there. So it's a little more, uh, a little festive. So the day before Christmas Eve and the content gods once again gave us a signing. This has happened every time, Chris. Every time we think the Tigers are not gonna do something, they give us they give us they give us pictures, they give us signs, they give us catchers today too. So yeah, something to talk about. Yeah. Something to talk about. Yeah. But we're gonna talk about kind of this was gonna be our year in review. But uh there's a couple of suggestions on the rapid rapid baseball. That was a um one of our uh people on Twitter was t- was talking about that and I thought it'd be a good idea to maybe do a rapid baseball. Thing real quick so we'll do that we'll talk about Jose arena here in a second the eric haas designated for it was dfa he could be back in toledo for all we know we don't know yet but we'll talk about the other catch the catcher who the tiger signed today and more so hopefully uh there's a having a good day before christmas eve chris did you work today by the way uh no i did not i didn't do anything nice i play, played a lot of tony hawk and uh Minecraft and went for a walk and uh, that's better. Ate some ribs. It was a solid, uh, solid day before the night before Christmas. Christmas Eve Eve. Yeah, you're definitely. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, know, you want to call it that? Sure. Well, I, I, meanwhile, today I had to fix my because it was 45 degrees today. So I went out, had to go to Home Depot. Today's my first vacation. And I say vacation in quotations because know full well that I have three other jobs I got to do at some point. So, but today we went to, you know, we went to Lowe's, got cement blocks because our porch is all falling apart. Oh, so yeah. We had to get that fixed because it don't want to cause anybody lawsuits. And then we I actually raked some leaves, which is strange to think it was in December, but we had to clean up that whole area. And yeah, that was basically it. And so when I came in here and was set up this new board thing, so you're going to hear drops like Oh, well, it would help if I had the sound up. <laughs> so I have now I have audio drops. The Rotocaster is up. So if you have a request you want to hear. I've heard of half of these guys. And the ones I do know are way past the prime. Most of these guys never had a prime. Solid. Yeah. Solid. Major League drop. Yeah, all that good stuff. We should try to, how many do you say? You said I could store like 60 drops? I could store up to 64 drops if I wanted to. So... Probably need to get one for like every team, or at least a couple for every uh, city that the Tigers will be playing. Yeah, Chip. Uh, Chip actually sent me over a couple too that he likes. So yeah, it's gonna be the. Everybody's gonna be like, "Oh man, they're gonna sell like a morning show zoo." <laughs> Tigers SRD. <laughs> it's here in the AM. It's it's the Cuban and the Bear here in the morning. <laughs> Yeah. As I wear a Christmas hat, I can't. Yeah, I can't deny him. I can the the, uh, the savage and the bear. So, but let's get yeah. in baseball. Let's get in the baseball conversation. And yeah, we were talking just beforehand. The Tigers signed a a pitcher today from the Marlins, one year, three point two five million. Chris, is mm-hmm. that correct? Yeah, with kicker, uh, 
grand if he makes 17 starts, and then another 50 grand every three starts up to 27. Or if he makes 15 starts, I think it's just, uh, he can make 3.5 million if he makes 27 starts, which I don't see happening, but just because yeah. I don't think the season's going to be long enough. That, and uh, he was having, he had forearm strain issues, correct? He got hit by a line drive in September or late August. Uh, DJ LeMahieu hit him. Uh, he, he hung a slider and got hit by a line drive and it broke his forearm. And he had he had coronavirus. He had COVID nineteen last year, so he was out for six weeks. Basically, right when the season started, he got diagnosed with COVID. Yeah, and he his numbers do not his numbers if you look at from the last couple of years or so have continuously dropped a little bit. So this is a guy who three or four years ago was an effective starter for the Marlins, but this year was I believe he also kind of threw. He was just. His September numbers were not good at all. Yeah, I mean that's it, he, so he was out for six weeks with the the COVID and came back and he made four you know kind of lousy starts in late September and then in his fifth start was you know he hadn't given up a run yet and it took a line drive right to the forearm and was done for the season right before the playoffs started. So yeah, and the Marlins had to make a couple of decisions on that. Yeah. But, and yeah. the year before he was actually off to a decent start. I think uh, through twelve starts or so he had like a four one ERA and then he got beat up in his. 13th start, and it turned out he had a herniated disc in his back. And then he was out until September 1st, and they came back as a reliever. And uh, he wasn't very good as a reliever. So, yeah, I mean, he, he, that's the interesting thing. You know, they, they want guys who can – they need people to, to eat innings. And he's technically a guy like that, but he's only thrown like 108 innings in the last two years because of injuries and, and you know, craziness from 2020. So, I don't know. He's interesting, though. He's got He's got a big arm. He sits 95, 96 throughout his starts. He can touch 98. He's actually touched 99 before once against Bryce Harper, I saw on a baseball savant. But, uh, and he's got a kind of a, you know, it's a lively fastball, but he, I don't know, his breaking ball just kind of sucks. And he throws it too much, in my opinion. I think his changeup is much better. He could throw it more. Maybe Chris Federer will get him to do that. Yeah, he was throwing a sinker a lot. He had a slider, so I know the slider was generating some sort of swing and misses before, but it didn't seem like he was doing that lately. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It just, it's just not – It's it occasionally flashes an above-average pitch for him, but a lot of times it's just kind of lazy spin and, and slow break, and he, he hangs a lot of them. That's, I mean, he's a guy who he throws a fair amount of strikes, uh, despite the fact that he led baseball and, and hit by pitches a couple of years in a row. I think in 17 and 18, he actually throws a fair amount of strikes. He just doesn't command the ball very well. You know, he doesn't, he's not pinpoint command. So he leaves a lot of pitches out over the zone. They get, get hit pretty hard. But uh, like, like, you know, like I said, it's, it's a nice arm. He, he might be kind of dynamite as a fastball changeup reliever, but I think they're getting him because they want him to throw innings. Yeah. And the Tigers only spent 3.2 million. And I know there are some fans out there who are just, kind of already kind of upset about it and they didn't sign over David Dahl, but here's a reality check. They need pitching more than they need outfielder. And I, again, it's one of those things where I know fans are probably like, well, we didn't get our guy, so we're getting mad about it. And I understand that, but at the same time, I'm there. Uh, we're going to have to track closely who's going to be winning out the better result. And so the Tigers desperately need pitching. They could, they definitely, they could go for an outfielder, but both, both are China dolls in the sense that both, injured so yeah you know Reina has been injured each of the last three years I mean it's tough to blame him for catching a line drive to the forearm but the herniated disc is a little bit uh, 
bothersome. And he had a shoulder impingement the year before, but he only missed like 10 days. So I, I wouldn't look into it that much. But it, yeah, his, his injury history isn't nearly as lengthy and, and troubling as David Dahl's, but he's also older and he's a pitcher. So I don't know. I mean, I think I looked at fan graphs. He's projected to, to provide 0.05 war this year, half a win. I didn't look at what Dahl was projected to do, but uh, probably a little bit more. But either way, I mean, this is just, I, I don't know. I'd throw this in like the with Matt Moore and Tyson Ross two years ago. The kind of signings were like, hey, hopefully they can get this guy back to who he was, like a, a league average almost a couple years ago. Uh, he's not like a proven innings eater like Von Nova was. And, and Von Nova would just randomly got hurt last year. He'd been healthy for most of his career. So just ran. I know I still think they're going to go after at least one more starter, probably a guy with a little bit more of a track record of eating innings. But I guess we'll see. Maybe this is be their one signing of this, the, the winner. Well, I mean, uh, towards the, we have Christmas coming up in a couple of days, and there's still big names left on the board. There's not been a lot of activity, and the Tigers actually made two moves today. And that was, in terms of even the first one, maybe caught some people off guard. But in, in all honesty, it, you almost expected, like, well, they're going to sign from Houston. Well, it wasn't a name that you were exactly going to, I, I guess, write home about. And that it was a catcher, a light-hitting catcher, more than his defensive prowess, Dustin Garneau. Is that correct? I think it's Garneau, yeah. All right, Garneau, uh, yeah, Garneau. I mean, he, it was, yeah, I mean, he was on Houston last year, but he wasn't there. I don't think he ever overlapped with AJ Hinchall. No. Because um, he's been on a bunch of, he was on the White Sox, A's, he was on the Angels. It was interesting. He caught, I don't know if you remember, you remember when, uh, what was it, that the Angels had the, like, they went in and had a tribute to Tyler Skaggs and they ended up throwing a no hitter. It was a really cool moment because, you know, Tyler Skaggs died, and, and I don't remember what exactly happened, but Garneau was the catcher who caught that no hitter for the Angels. But yeah, he's not—he's not a hitter. He's a glove-first uh, catcher who I think he's a career 202 hitter with not a lot of power. He's not a guy I would expect to, uh, you know, he's not a guy who's going to like suddenly turn into a an everyday catcher. It's just kind of catching depth, and it, who knows? I mean, maybe he'll win a spot over Griner or Rogers, but he's not—you uh, know, this is not like a Romine level career big league backup who gets a chance to start. This is a career minor league catcher who occasionally gets to be a backup. This is a career. And it was, as a result, of, by the way, of Urena or Urena signing, they designated Eric Haas for the DFA to Eric Haas. And eventually he might come back in rotation or might come back, but yeah, I mean, no surprise on who they're going to. They were going to carry three catchers, but I mean, this there's talk about getting a minor league contract. So, yeah, I mean, that is somewhat interesting. You don't necessarily want to carry three catchers on your big league team, but teams usually want three on their 40 man roster. So, to Troy Stokes, Liz again. He's, uh, I mean, they must really like Troy Stokes Jr. <laughs> he hasn't played for them at all. And, uh, or, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, it's you're expecting at some point here soon that they're going to have some sort of, and it might be a little of a lag, by the way, for anybody watching live. And if you're watching this on recording, yeah, there's a little bit of lag. So I apologize. My internet tonight, my whole computer, I'm just, like I said, 
you think it's your it's your computer, not me, uh, not my new setup? Yeah, doesn't it? No, it's not your setup. Yeah, well, you yeah, you sound fine. We both have the mics now, so we have the standard shiny new mics. But yeah, I mean, yeah, there he goes. That's that's the zoom one right there. <laughs> no, but it's 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 something. I mean, but at the same time, you know, what are you gonna do? Um, that's that's about it. You know, the, uh, the, the, there wasn't nothing to be excited about about it. So, uh, I just want to mention too, we did have Trey, we interviewed Trey Cruz, the Tigers third round draft pick, on Monday, and that's gonna be part of the podcast tomorrow. So, that Trey Cruz was awesome to talk to, and thanks again for letting or letting us talk to him. It, it was the gentleman who yeah. set that up, and it was it was a lot of fun talking to Trey Cruz. And I think you're gonna he's gonna like the interview too. It was it was really casual and. He so, seems like a good kid. I, yeah. mean, I say that generally about every prospect we talk to, but he was, you know, more outgoing and talkative, and and really seemed to have an idea about what he's doing, what he needs to get better at, and, and all that stuff. So yeah, he seems like, a, you know, I, it feels like one of those things. If it doesn't work out, it won't be because he didn't, you know, try his best and, and try hard and try everything. Just uh, you know, he's uh, yeah. I was excited about him more after after we talked to him. Yeah, and it, it, he's gonna let you know. He's gonna let everybody know what what the Tigers have planned for him and all that stuff. So that'll be coming out tomorrow on the podcast. But yeah, let's you know this podcast is not gonna be that long because, like I said, we just wanted to talk about that. But the year review we did this Sunday when we did a live broadcast for Cave Radio to save the cave. Which, by the way, between you and me, and we got another donation randomly. We donate. We got three hundred dollars raised on our shift. Nice. So right. wow, yeah. So people, whoever checked us out and, and listened and gave money to the cave, thank you. So, but we, uh, Chris was doing something with Perry. We were talking about the year review a little bit about some of the big things, the highlights of the Tigers, and just some of the stories and when, when we have you that made the, this has been, you know, a screwed up year. And we've, we've said that a thousand, we keep saying that over and over again. But uh, yeah, it, I'm telling you, Chris, this is, well, the years like choose with the storylines of the Tigers. You have Candelario, you mentioned, and there's a couple other ones you talked about too. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, from from this year heading into this year, you know, if we go back and think to like January, February, we were, I think, I think most Tigers fans were somewhat pleased with the moves they made in the offseason. You know, like, we nobody was under the delusion uh, that they were going to be you know, competing for the Central. But they signed, I, we, we joked about it, but yeah, like, hey, they actually signed major league players. They signed five legitimate major leaguers last offseason for, I don't know, it was like $17 million total. Was Scope and Crone and Romine and Maven and Nova. Like, okay, these are all, they don't want to put a team out that was bad as 2019 was. And so they're going to spend some money and bring some of the young guys up. And, you know, it, it kind of started out that way. It looked, looked decent. I think we talked about... Uh, even in spring training, you know, things were kind of fun. We talked about the the game where uh, Miggy and Demerit went back to back off Cole, Garrett Cole, I think twice in a row. And uh, and then yeah, they, you know, coronavirus stopped the world, and things just kind of got weird. It was fun. I and mean, one thing we didn't really talk about was was seeing the young guys in those summer camp games, seeing Riley Green and Corkelson and and. We even saw a little bit of Dylan Dingler and some of the, you know, some of the other pitchers. And it was, that was fun. 
in the draft, we did we touched on the draft. I think the draft was a big point. I, I, most people thought the Tigers draft was pretty good. One of the better drafts, uh, you know, they went out and got six position players, which is a need in the system. And all six have some pretty decent upside. Well, you know, starting with Spencer Torkson. And then, yeah, the season came around, and, and those first couple weeks, the Tigers were hitting all sorts of home runs, like in big spots. Think back to, like, Kobe Jones home runs and C.J. Crone hitting home runs. And, and then, uh, you know, they were playing, like, 500 baseball for the first six weeks or so, and then everybody got hurt, and that was it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would I would argue that the the biggest story of the actual season was, was that when they brought up the three rookies. Definitely. I mean, there's that whole that whole day. Everybody was kind of a buzz. It was a, it was it was it was like a ground swelling. You saw Paredes, Scooble, and Mize. I mean, everybody was excited about Mize's first start. That was definitely the highlight of the summer, especially with everything that's been like you mentioned going on. And that I remember they kind of do when he his first strikeout. We were all watching. And it was just all the, the anticipation of it all, and it was most excited. That I think fans have been around here in a long time. That was good to see, and, and and the Tigers were competitive. They were in 500. You mentioned that too on Sunday. They were 500 in September, and it was really just we we're kind of always waiting for another shoe to fall, and it was just injuries. And I'm kind of I was just almost curious if I'm, I'm I'm curious to see Chris if that team was fully healthy. What healthy would have been capable? Of, uh, blah, 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 would have been capable yeah. of? Yeah, you know, I, I think. Um, I mean, again, I, I don't. There's a there's like a five percent chance that, that they weasel their way into the eight seed at some point. <laughs> I think you know eventually once they brought up the young kids and, and the pitch was just wasn't quite there no matter what. You know Boyd had that terrible year. I, I mentioned on the other show that he he had the highest home run per nine in Major League Baseball history last year of, of any qualified starter. Obviously, like 58 innings is not make a full season, but um, yeah, and Turnbull was okay, but couldn't throw strikes enough, and Fulmer was a disaster, unfortunately, but they were trying to get him back, and then, you know, Mize and Scooble had their struggles. Excuse me. <coughs> Got a little bit of a dry throat there. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I think we had had Crone stayed healthy and Kobe Jones stayed healthy, they probably would have won a couple more games and it would have been, you know, they wouldn't have the third overall pick in the next year's draft. But uh, I don't know. I think if, you know, Alabila in the front office was being candid, I think they probably got from that season what they wanted. They had, they were, they played some competitive baseball for a while. They got the young kids in there and they ended up losing a bunch of games to get another high draft pick. And I don't know. I mean, part of what was nice about them signing those those major leaguers last year was hey all right we understand and I think Avila himself said it like, the down is done now yeah. begins the rebuilding of the team yeah. now and you know yeah. so everybody yeah. goes yeah. into yeah. the offseason thinking that's yeah. going to happen and then kind of like they hit the skids it seems like it, it feels a lot more like the heading into the 2019 offseason when they signed more and Mason Ross. Yeah. And, and, I mean, who else? Did they sign anybody in offense heading into 2019? I'm trying to remember. In 2019, they signed him. You said offensively, or yeah, I'm just like the off season between 2018 and 2019. So prior to 2019. Oh, oh. Prior to- did they sign? 
Dixon. It was Dixon in the 2018 and 2019. Right? It was Brandon Dixon. Yeah, they brought a Dixon as a, as a you know Justin Peterson. Yeah, so it was. They were. They didn't. I thought maybe they signed one for you. Oh, oh, it was Jordy Mercer and Josh Harrison. Oh, yeah, Josh Harrison. They brought him later. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Last year felt better than that. They actually got some, you know, guys with some offensive upside. Ones they do know are way past the prime. <laughs> but, but yeah. So I don't know. It, it feels like the Tigers are going in reverse a little bit now. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, the, today's signing is something. It's not uh, earth shattering by any means, and I, I don't think there's a ton of upside in Jose Urania. But uh, I don't know. He could. Things might go right, and he could be like a number four starter, which would be good for the Tigers. It would help him out a lot. But I don't know. I think I still think they have a, a bunch of holes on the team. Just about every oh. position. Oh, whoever's listening live out there. What do you what do you think? Do you like the arena signing? If you do, let us know. Leave a comment. And it's it, to me, it seemed like it was underwhelming to some people. And, and, and I, I I understand why. I mean, it, in terms of just, but it's a name. It's something. It's it's something. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot. And and it's also kind of like the this is the guy who beamed Okuna. Okuna. Yeah. yeah. So he, yeah, that's not great. Atlanta fans were furious with him, and he's got. I mean, he, he's in terms of hitting control. He's he's got. He's hitting a lot of. Uh, he's hitting a lot he of. Hits, yeah, I mean that's the thing. You know, his control isn't uh, super uh, precise, like I said earlier. But part of it is he's got a kind of a funky delivery, and it's a little bit like a lower slot when he releases. Let me see. A lower slot, so he gets some natural arm side movement. In, in towards right-handed hitters, and I think he's a guy who, who you know, he just hits guys uh, fairly often, which is not ideal, especially when, you know, the, the guy you hit uh, happens to be a superstar young player who's homered in five straight games, and it's the first pitch of your outing when you hit him. doesn't look good, but uh, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't think he's like a bad dude or anything like that. I don't think he's just out there headhunting or anything. I think he may... Have been throwing Acuna on purpose, or maybe just wanted to throw inside and the pitch got away from him because it was the first pitch of the game. I don't know. Was he pulling a Pedro Martinez? No, not exactly. Yeah, yeah I don't. I don't. Know, yeah, I, I'm, I, and I fully understand why Braves fans would be upset. I mean, that's your that's your franchise right there. But no, I, I think you know he's got good thighs. He's got a big arm, and. and he can eat some things for the Tigers, and, and maybe, like I said, maybe maybe Chris Benner can get him, work with him, get him to throw his change up more and his slider less, or maybe figure out a way to make his slider better, or give him something soft because his his fastball is 95, 96, his change up 90, 91, and his slider is 83, 86. So he's got nothing under 80, 83 miles an hour, really. I was trying to find a example of his mechanics, but the problem is that if I do that, that's going to crash the video. Uh, well, it's the video feed, so I mean, yeah. you can even see it here. Let me see if I can show it here on the screen. Share screen. Uh, let's see. There's a nice, like, uh, some somebody put together like a three minute YouTube video of his highlights from 2018 that includes him hitting a double, but uh, you know, that's fun. Yeah, there's let me see if I can find it, but uh, while, while we find that, Chris, I mean, they're the White Sox, by the way. Mm-hmm continue to clean up in the international market 
and they went and signed the younger brother of the Pettis. Yeah, yeah, that's what they say. Yeah, Yoki. Yoki, yep. And yeah, I mean, it's not $2 million. $2 million, that was it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think his his name is bigger than his prospect profile, I think. I mean, it's $2 million is still pretty good. I mean, that, that's probably like top 10 money for this year's international class, maybe top 15. Um, Charlie, thank you for writing the hat. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's not a surprise. I mean, the Vikings have so many Cuban players, and, and they've really tapped that market well. So it's cool for them. I, I you know, another young, interesting outfielder. I, I don't know if Uelke is ever going to hit for the sort of power that he needs to to be a really, you know, uh, like a star level player. But he's a good prospect, and it gives him another trade chip or another potential outfielder. There's. So you see it there, Chris. That's uh, yeah, that's young Urania before he uh, he's, he's got his uh, you know, dreads. dreads going now. And uh, he kind of almost like kind of he goes back and just yeah, he rocks it in there. Really early the hand separation. You know, he takes the yeah. hand away from the glove really early, which is kind of funky. But you can see you can see the arm side movement on his pitches. And yeah, there's a I linked in the story on MTV. I linked one pitch from that highlight video. I think it was or, or a highlight video. Really nasty changeup. It's got like splitter movement at, at 90, 91. Just wish he would throw it more. But right maybe, side. I don't know. What's that? He can ride in right hander is pretty good. You can throw the inside pitch when he wants to. Is effective there, and you can see it right there. That's that's a good pitch right there. Going. Yeah, and and that's what one thing I pointed out. His his career OPS against against right handers is is like six ninety eight, but against lefties is eight twelve. He just he's had trouble in lefties throughout his career, and, and I don't know. I mean, with his changeup being so good, you would think it would it would be a reverse, but a lot of times those you know you're trying to throw inside to a lefty, and your natural natural movement brings the ball right over the, the heart of the plate. So there's a lot of guys who run into issues like that. But yeah, I mean, like I said, it's a good arm, and uh, there there will probably be games where he looks like like a number two starter, but other times where he's probably just getting squared up constantly. Yeah, and I think a never-ending window. <laughs> Stop the screen there for, but yeah, there's there's. I just want to show how you, so Tiger fans can get used to that. But yeah, in terms of even for how he pitches to lefties too, it wasn't really a much a lot of examples there. But he can hit he can hit that lower corner pretty well with his fastball. But it's just really in terms of the splits and how does he how does the splits look against righties and lefties. Well, let's see. I mean, it, he's going for the National League, the American League, which is always that weird transition in ERA. But against right-handers, right-handers hit him 246, while lefties hit him for a 275 clip with 10 home runs. So take that for whatever. Well, no, that's not platoon. Wait, hold on. That's not right. I'm looking at the wrong thing. No. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, as I was saying, like in his career, it's uh, it's like a – 120 points higher OPS against lefties. Yeah, there we go. Sorry. Yeah, no, I had I was reading the wrong stat line. He's allowed 48 home runs to lefties, 30 to uh, the righties. Yeah, and the OPS difference is night and day. So, yeah, I mean it's going to be an issue for him. The teams will be stacking. You know, with teams with lefties will be stacking up the, the lineup. But you know, you get what you pay for. Three, three and a quarter million. Um, guy with a live arm, maybe some upside, moderate upside. 
you know, it's not what it's not what Tigers fans want to see, really. But it's it's not, uh, you know, I don't know. Like I said, at least it's model, moderately interesting. Yeah, low risk, high reward, as Kean would say, and that's 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 exactly what it is. But in terms of over under when the Tigers are making their last, if this is going to be the last move for the Tigers, probably. I, I, I don't know. We'll see. I think they're going to get another pitcher. I don't know. You know, we, we don't talk know more about like uh, we we talk. We keep bringing up Homer Bailey, somebody Denny, like yeah. that, or yeah, Tehran. Like that oh, or so, yeah. Or, yeah, Tehran would be a good one. I think he would. He would think sign low and you know uh, uh, the value for that. And I, I don't. Know, I think that. I think that's where for me. I love the something like that. And ideally, I would love Jake Orizzi, but I think Orizzi is going to go to a, a higher market. I think because if somebody loses out on the Trevor Bauer sweepstakes, mm-hmm. I can see Orizzi providing some value. Yeah, and, and we talked about Porcello before, and Tanaka's out there. But I mean, these are all guys who are probably going to. Who is you know Tony Paul was suggesting Corey Kluber. That would would be fun. I think. I love yeah, I love Corey Kluber, former Cy Young winner. You know, probably get him for one year to try to rebuild his value. Veteran. I, I mean, I, I I hadn't thought about that until Tony mentioned it. And I thought it was a really good idea. But it is Christmas, and it's the holiday. Excuse me, it's the holiday season rather. And I'm not sure about you, Chris, but. Is there any Christmas movies that stand out to you? What are some of your favorite Christmas movies? Uh, you know, I do like uh, I do like Love Actually. That's, that's kind of fun to, to just catch every now and then. Christmas Story, of course. Um, I like a lot of movies that take place at Christmas that aren't necessarily Christmas movies, like Trading Places. Well, um, and Lethal Weapon. People always talk about Die Hard being a Christmas movie, but Lethal Weapon's a Christmas movie too. I think. Don't they have a shootout in like the Christmas tree lot? Yeah, they do. Yeah, in the beginning, the beginning one. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I, I I still have never really the Nightmare Before Christmas. People like that a lot. Um, yeah. What else? I kind of dig the holiday as as a romantic comedy. The one with uh, Kate Winslet and Jack Black and Jude Law and what's his name Cameron Diaz. It was not bad as as romantic Christmas comedies go. I don't know. Is there like a like I, I tend to just like depressing movies. Is there like a super depressing Christmas movie? There must be one. Scrooge. Killer, well, Killer Christmas. If you like horror movies. Oh well, uh, Bad Santa. Not uh, not the happiest, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I uh, we watched. You know, I got my my six year old. We watched the Christmas Chronicles Part Two on Netflix. And we watched the first one a couple of years ago. Those are. For kids, yeah, I'm, I'm see, I'm kind of a sap when it comes to Christmas movies. Christmas story, love a Christmas story. Mm-hmm. Love it. I could watch that movie, I'll probably watch it once or twice. And we did get a question, by the way, for the oh. audience. Well, we'll get to that in a second. And it is Christmas related, Lethal Weapon, Die Hard. And I just like those are part of the Christmas movie traditions. And I would have to say, yeah, I mean. Christmas, uh, Scrooge is one of my favorite movies of all the Christmas movies mm-hmm. of all time. But, you know. <laughs> Riggs! Riggs! That's a, that's a too old for this shit supercut? Yeah, it's a super, yeah, supercut. Yeah. Nice. Definitely. But yeah, so uh, the question we had from the audience was from on the show, Carrie, who said if you, if you guys could pick ask Santa 
for one player to join the Tigers for next season, past, present, or even fictional, who would you pick? And by the way, she said Ty Cobb was diabetic. Diabetic? Oh, all right. Well, um, <laughs> any player ever to join the Tigers for yeah. next year? Uh, give me Mike Trout, I guess. Um, or does it have to be a, a, a Tigers player, or is it just anybody? Because. Anybody. Yeah, I mean, I'll take the best player in baseball. He's already on a team that doesn't make the playoffs ever, so he won't mind being on the Tigers. Um, I don't know. There's the name, and there's so many cool, cool players. Give me Daryl Strawberry in his prime, Mookie Betts. Give me Eric Davis in his prime, who doesn't get hurt. Um, Willie Mays. I guess I'm, I'm naming a lot of uh, outfielders. I guess I, I kind of want an outfielder. What about you? I would pick. Here's what I pick in my. Here's what I pick. I pick Joe Morgan. Rest in peace. Really good second baseman, hit for power. Johnny Bench. I know I'm thinking about the 70s red, big red machine, but in terms of pitchers, fictional, Rick, or Vaughn from the major, major league. I would probably, you know, another guy, he was an, he was another one I'd probably pick too is Kevin Brown in his prime. I'm talking like, oh, maybe, yeah, Kevin Brown, Padres, Braves, or like, you know, mid 90s, Kevin Brown. Give He's my me, cousin, by the way. Oh, yeah. The more <laughs> highly talented. Uh, <laughs> I was really hoping you go for that for a second, but you're like, yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> I would have heard about it the first time I ever met you. But like, hey, you know, Kevin yeah. Brown. Like yeah, the, the number of times I mentioned Tara's cousin. <laughs> I mentioned my own cousin. They'd be like, hey, here's a picture of me with Kevin Brown. Here's me on Kevin Brown's house, on his house, on his roof, yeah. facing a shingle. Taking that plane that he was taking allegedly with the doctor <laughs> paid for. So uh, I would pick Randy Johnson. Love that Randy Johnson prime Randy Johnson 2002, yeah, or even like mid 90s Randy Johnson, where he was virtually yeah. available. Greg Maddox, Greg Maddox, I, I could go on and I'm, I think it would be, I think it would be a pitcher. I go with a pitcher and an infielder. It'd be nice to have Maddox talking to Casey Heinberg for sure. Oh man, Can you it, I didn't catch the fictional part. If we're going fictional, I, I might like uh, but funny as, as my pitcher, yeah, but he, see, but remember, he let all those hits in a row. What were the guys doing there? Like, yeah, around the bases. Yeah, but he had the. I go motor. You know what? I would probably, or maybe Homer. No, maybe. Homer at the bat. Yeah, Homer to bat. So, all right. Well, this is this is the last show of the year. I think we're we are much due for a break. Even though too much eggnog. Too much eggnog. It's too much. I'll be honest. I have not really had any time off in the last. This will be the first week off, like official. Week off, I've had where I'm not de- dealing with anything outside of writing articles for MotorCityBangles.com in in a year. And the last time I took time off was obviously because of not by choice, but you know. At any rate, uh, this has been a fun year. I mean, it, 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 excuse me, this has been a it's been a tough year. Don't get me wrong, but I've had a lot of fun at the same time in terms of just dealing with grief, dealing with all the all the crap I've dealt with. It could have been a lot worse. And I'm just grateful for my health, grateful that I have my you know, friends, some people I don't really talk to anymore because of whatever, just because of the, the virus thing. And I don't see my friends like I used to, and that's fine. But uh, I've been having a lot of fun doing this. This has been a good outlet for everything. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you, Chris. Join me every week to do this. And this has been a lot of fun. And appreciate all the fan feedback. Uh, James, there was, there was James. There was a couple of people who said nice things. Ed Miller. Big fan of we 
thank you for listening. It's uh, it's been it's a pl- been a pleasure, and we had we had a really good response last week from the the podcast, Chris. So good on you on that idea. So yeah, well, you know, um, that was cool. Yeah, I mean, we had a lot of good guests this year. We talked about it before. We had we we, we talked Dr. Barton Smith. We had Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline. We had Jay Chaffee from Pangrass. We had Dan Borsky from Pangrass. We had who else did we have? We had lots of people. We had lots of local team people. We had our buddy Keenan. We had uh, yeah, you know, some more people. We had Cody Clemens. We had Cody Clemens. Uh, we Trey had Cruz. Trey Cruz. We had Zach Hass. Zach Hass. We had, uh, we had James Shipman on, of course. Chip. We had Chip. We had Jake uh, Pinchett for me once. Yeah, that was that was good. I think of somebody else. I think we had like Henry Rowan Gardner. Henry Ro- <laughs> Rowan Gardner. Rosenberger. Rosenberger. Gardner Hoser. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a really good year for guests. And oh, Jay, Jay Jaffe. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mentioned Jaffe. Oh, Jay Jaffe. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, but I, I don't know. I thought it was a pretty good year for the podcast. And and this doing this video stuff is fun. I don't know if people actually want to see us. I keep coughing tonight. I'm pretty sure that this Christmas hat is made out of fiberglass insulation, and it's slowly killing me. But uh, no, I don't know. It's it's always fun to talk about baseball. And it's really fun to have people come in and and like chat with us and give us questions live. So. Yeah, we do that way. I, that way, I don't get my like the chance to do the research. And stuff hard. I'm going like the hey, Arena. Hey, hey. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it was a good year. And yeah. yeah, like like you said, thankful thankful you for for you, Rogelio, for doing all the the hard work, putting everything together, get buying all the equipment. You just bought me very very nice. You bought me this microphone. You bought me a T-shirt. I wore it all day yesterday. I got ribs all over it. By the way. Um, <laughs> And uh, no, it's, I don't know. Like you said, it's, it's obviously a tough year. You, you lost your father. I lost my grandfather. I lost my uncle to the ocean. I don't know if I ever talked about that on the show. Um, lost my my favorite teacher who just died a couple weeks ago. Oh, it's wow. been, it's been, but yeah, I mean, it's it's been a year, a very difficult year for a lot of people. But like you said, I feel bad complaining about anything because I still have my health, my family, our jobs are fine still. You know, being able to do stuff online has been really really helpful and yeah it just feels like a bad year to complain about anything because yeah we're still here and uh we, we you know we get to talk about baseball even though the year was kind of weird yeah i'm i'm like i said i'm just grateful that we're able to do, do this every week and there's a platform for it so but we are going to take a much of a break i was thinking about doing a show next week but in reality i i just all i want to do right now is i have three books to read i'm getting a rolling machine on sunday Nice. And I am just going to plan on just this and, you know, reorganize, continue to reorganize all this and just have some downtime and just relax and, and do those things. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if the Tigers do something crazy, then uh, we'll, we'll write about it. You know, we'll, we'll definitely yeah, we'll cover it on, on TV for sure. Yeah. I don't, I don't expect to be, you know, see a whole lot of news over Christmas, actual Christmas Day and, and New Year's Eve. They want to have, take a break, too. I think you might see something on the twenty between the twenty seventh and the thirtieth, but beyond that, probably nothing till January. So, no Boxing Day signings, no, no, no Boxing Day. So, Carrie, thank you for the question. We I appreciate it. We appreciate it. That was a very good question. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks for and, listening. Yeah, thanks for listening too. And so, watching. Yeah, she's. I think she's watching. I'm not sure what she's doing, but uh, at any rate. So again, thank you for this entire year. We're gonna take the week off. Check out the Trey Cruz interview over on our website at, at, uh, on the podcast, and we'll be talking a couple more articles before the end of the year. And Chris is right up on Arena 
Urena is on MotorCityBengals.com and check that out. And check out the Ronald Guzman trade piece. That that was interesting. And I'm writing I'm writing one about uh, Carter Kibo. So. I like that idea. More stuff coming. More stuff. Oh, and uh, I want to say I give a shout out to Uber. Uber is going to be on the 11th round of podcast. I think it's 11th round podcast with Jay Markle. So him and Patrick, oh. yeah, him and Patrick O'Kennedy are going to be on the podcast. Like I actually get to hear Patrick O'Kennedy's voice from nice. two boys. I've never, I've never heard him. I never heard him on the podcast. But those two have a very good dynamic together. I and- hope it's like super Irish. <laughs> the name like that. Oh yeah, no. Back I think he's in 1955. <laughs> Patrick O'Kennedy does a really good job with explaining the salary stuff over at, Motors, yeah. at Bless You Boys. And so they'll be joining Jay Markle at some point. I'm not sure when that's going to drop. but And then uh, the Pirates board is dropping next week, I believe, hopefully. So check out all, all content over at Prospects Live as well. So for myself, doing the Dick Clark. I, see, I love Dick Clark had the best. Just that, just simply, I don't know what he was doing, but he was always like just, he didn't do a salute, just did that two-finger thing and, Every time I watched the twenty-five thousand dollars pyramid, I was always like fascinated by that for whatever reason. I don't remember that. I remember Carol Burnett tugging her ear, even though the Carol Burnett show was never on when I was alive. I don't think, but I watched like reruns with my parents. Yeah, I think um, Jimmy Fallon talked about that too, or something like that. So, interesting. But uh, anyway, enjoy the year. Enjoy what's left of the year. We'll see you. <laughs> see you next year. <laughs> Stupid dad joke. So <laughs> then. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. See you next time. And stay tuned for the Trey Cruz interview that's coming up after next. If you're not listening, if you're if you're listening on the podcast side. Welcome back to Tigers SRD. We are pleased to welcome in the Detroit Tigers third round draft pick from the 2020 draft, Trey Cruz. Uh, Trey, thanks for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we always like to get a bit of a background on our, our guests. Uh, I have a feeling I'm going to know what your answer is going to be here, but we always like to ask about your earliest <laughs> baseball memory. Oh, man. Uh, my earliest baseball memory is probably... Uh, my dad was on the Blue Jays. Uh, I got to meet Joe Torrey. Um, I was probably about four years oldish, and that was the first time I really just started really embracing baseball and fell in love with it. And um, that, that's probably the first memory I can think about. That's, I mean, it's pretty standard for early baseball memories to be meeting a Hall of Fame manager. I think. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> I realized I soon realized after that's not normal, but. Um, <laughs> But it was it was something cool and 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 what a great person to be able to meet and kind of just, you know really just talk to. Yeah, that's that's very cool. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And you know, and so talk about your time a little bit at Rice. You're you're down there, and Rice has got a really good baseball program, and you made some really good strides between your freshman sophomore year, and the the adjustments you made and, and having your your family there to help you out with that. How special were those relationships you built at Rice? And, and having that kind of just – it's such a good baseball program and how that help you as a player going forward. Yeah, I mean, it was my, – my time at Rice was amazing. Um, I enjoyed it. And to be able to go to college close to your home and be around, um, you know, my, my, my two instructors being my grandfather and my dad and having them available to me was, was huge for me. 
and also just uh for you know for them to also give me space and learn on my own i mean that was really the first time i kind of just had to really learn what works for me um without them and and talking to the rice coaches and you know my first year there i had wayne graham who for those who don't know coached my uncle my father and my grandfather uh, so he'd been around for a long time and um and he you know he's he is uh, one of a kind and and we can go all day about wayne graham stories uh but for the sake of time i'll spare you <laughs> but um but he but but he was great and and he taught me a lot from my freshman uh to sophomore year and and i didn't quite understand it um about some of the lessons he was teaching me as far as you know the the mental aspect of it and how mentally tough you got to be to be successful in baseball and play for a long time and um and you know it took me to the end of my freshman year to relearn what he was trying to say and and in sense of just not, not overthinking things, not, you know, going straight into panic mode when things are going bad, but going back to the basics and, and finding that, that mentality you got to have to be successful. And, and he was great on that. And, you know, we had Matt Bragley who came after that. And he, he was a great coach and uh, love him. Um, really nice guy. And, and we also, you know, one of my favorite coaches at Rice, who I, I think really resonated with me the most was uh, Coach Janish who had just retired from the big leagues and he was a big league shortstop played for about eight years um, in the big leagues. And so he was a just defensive wizard and he helped me a lot really defensively. He made, he helped me make a lot of defensive strides, especially for my freshman to sophomore year and then my sophomore and junior year. And he was a big part of my, my success at rice and my development, both as a person and a player um, and just somebody I would talk to every single day and just find ways to get better. So the, those are some great relationships I got at Rice and definitely helped me to become the person and player I am today. And I'm curious how much uh, summer ball helped. You know, I saw that you were, I think between your sophomore and junior years, you were you were off in the uh, Cape Cod League. And I noticed, uh, mm-hmm. I think you stole 11 bases in the Cape Cod League, but it, it seemed like maybe at Rice they weren't letting you steal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was one battle that I always had um, with, uh, some of the coaches there. Uh, Wayne, Wayne Graham was not a big believer in stealing bases, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're a middle lineup guy. My freshman year, I was I was the fourth uh, four hole hitter, cleanup guy. So he did not like me stealing bases because he wanted the guys um, hitting uh, behind me and the chance of me running into now he didn't like. And same thing with Matt Braga, not a big stolen base guy, especially with guys hitting in the middle lineup. And so that was definitely. A, Definitely frustrating to me at times and, and going to Cape Cod and summer ball and be able to actually work on that and show that I can steal bases um, was huge for me. And, and, uh, and I'm thankful for Coach Trundy there, uh, one of the best coaches I've ever had. Um, just, you know, he let me just play me play my game and do whatever I want. If I made a mistake, you know, I just, I, he, he knew that I would learn from it. And so he, he gave me the green light to steal in that, in, in bases in the Cape Cod, especially against good talent there. Um, and I did pretty well. I think I was uh, 11 for 13 there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, I, I was glad I could at least show people that I can steal bases, um, you know, when given the opportunity. Yeah. Cause I think you know, your dad went 30, 30 once. And, and if I'm not mistaken, your granddad yep. stole at least 40 bases in one year. I mean, it was a different era, but you can't, uh... of course. Yeah. They were, they were big stolen base people and they, you know, they taught me growing up how to steal bases and I, I stole a lot in high school. Um, and so it was definitely a different transition from being that, you know, that stolen base guy. I mean, in high school, I probably stole around 20, 25 bags a year. Um, and so from going to that to getting, you know, maybe maybe 10 green lights a year was definitely a big um, adjustment and uh, something I wasn't used to, especially playing, you know, 60 games. I would think I could steal at least 20 bags. Um, but, uh, you know, that was the system they had. And 
there's a lot of other things that I did improve on a lot in baseball that are huge as far as defense and hitting um, and kind of the mental side of baseball. But um, it was it was definitely, you know, something that my dad continued to work with me even when I was at Rice and offseason and all that stuff, just always having that tool in your bag. Uh, they were big on that, um, and that was part of their game. And so if, if that's a tool you have, I, you know, I definitely think you should use it, of course. Yeah, especially because, I mean, I know that the game has changed quite a bit, but still I, I miss those days of having 33 guys that could – steal bases and be aggressive and i think that like you know you think of uh, the whitey ball uh the cardinals baseball in the early 80s that they did that pretty well and so you had a chance mm-hmm. to work with some major leaguers this year in the constellation energy league talk about that talk mm-hmm. about how that helped in your development because there was some there was some really good talent down there you had uh, you know the yeah. and uh, guys that were triple a and four and some players who were uh playing just to get some experience under the belt yeah, I mean, that Energy Constellation League was humongous for me, and I loved it. Um, and also the fact that it was, you know, 20 minutes from where I live was super convenient and awesome. And um, there's a lot – that was the best talent I'd ever faced. Um, there A lot of those guys, really like uh, almost probably 90% of the league there was double-A, triple-A guys. And there was, a, there was a, a bunch of former big leaguers. I mean, we had Fernando Rodney in that league. We had Scott Casimir on our team. Um, who, funny story, he actually made his debut and my dad was his teammate in 2004. So that was crazy. Um, and he was, he, he remembers me when I was a little kid um, <laughs> going to those games. And, and he had like a deja vu moment. And he was like, God, I'm getting old if I'm playing with you. <laughs> and uh, that was funny to hear. But um, I definitely got to talk to Scott Casimir a little bit just about, you know, as a pitcher's mind, how he faces guys and just learn about, kind of the mentality you need to have going into pro baseball and, and to get myself to the big leagues and not just get there to stay there uh, for as long as I can. And so um, working with them was great. Um, and talking to guys who were already in pro ball and, and, you know, being able to play with a couple other rice guys like Ford Proctor and Tristan Gray was really cool because those were guys that I watched before I got to rice. Um, and I played one year with Ford Proctor. And so to be able to play with him again was, was really cool. And, and to talk to those guys and learn from them and just continue to kind of, try to get a head start before I start um, really professional baseball, which, you know, who knows when that will be, hopefully this, this year soon, like in, in normal time. And I was, I was want to jump back to actual, uh, when you got drafted this time for real, mm-hmm. uh, or, yeah. you know, you've been drafted twice before, uh, yeah. but yeah, this, this was the time you signed. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious how much you had, how much involvement you had in that, like in the actual signing, was that all up to advisors and stuff or were you, actively involved in negotiations um i i, I was involved um it was you know the the first two times was more just me you know i i think the second time i got drafted was was a real chance i could have gone um mm-hmm. but i just I, I wanted one more year at rice i wanted to um kind of prove some more things um for, as a draft guy and, and as a prospect and um, I just felt like I, I needed. I wanted one more year. I, I wanted to. I wanted one more year to just develop and get better um, before I start. And um, and I'm glad to say I made that decision. But um, I was. I was. I was definitely in it. Um, you know, my my advisor was was big in communicating with me and what he thought, and also the best opportunities and the opportunities I was being presented by other teams. And so it was constant communication back and forth, and what I thought, and he gave me his thoughts, and we kind of just collaborated together. So. So that was nice, and it was it was pretty much kind of fifty fifty on the decisions. It was, you know, part me, part my advisor, my dad, if we had to say, because he knows the, he just knows how that stuff works really well, and so I, I trust him with that. And so um, it was kind of just those three people kind of just mixing and just communicating together. 
Yeah, because I was specifically it, it. Generally speaking, I mean, you were a draft eligible sophomore, which means as a junior, you were slightly older than the average college. Uh-huh. You know, and generally speaking, yeah. older guys get smaller bonuses. Not necessarily, uh, you, you know, I, I'm not trying to paint you as geriatric or anything like that, but but yeah, I yeah. think you 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 got an above slot bonus. This, um, if I'm not I mistaken, did, yeah. uh, it, it, I mean, how good does that feel that the Tigers are, are willing to go that way with you? It was it was it was a great feeling, and it was you know something that that my advisor kind of reminded me of is you know if you you can easily go above slot if you waited a year. He told me that after my sophomore year, and and my dad also did, and so I, I trusted them and continued to work, and you know to be able to go above slot no matter where it is is it's pretty cool because I mean it means the team really wants you and and thinks highly of you, and so. Um, I was glad the Tigers gave me an opportunity, and I'm, and I'm glad to be a part of the Tigers system. And I, you know, got got to get myself up to Detroit soon. You know, it's it's funny about that too. Is that I did an article for Motor City Bengals two weeks before you drafted, thinking that you would be a good mm-hmm. pick, for the Tigers, based off your versatility as a switch hitter yeah. and the ability to play all over the infield. And what are the Tigers? Mm-hmm. I mean, do they do they give you kind of like, hey, we're going to put you here, or it's just kind of like right now waiting for further instructions? Because your versatility in the infield is what I thought would be attractive to a to an organization that Tigers are they're, they're a little thin on the infield right now in terms of valuable mm-hmm. prospects and so where do you see or where do you see the Tigers putting you or where do they where do they want to put you rather um I mean they definitely they definitely talked to me um right after I got drafted about the possibility of you know moving around the infield and you know how comfortable I feel with that and you know last summer in the cave I played a little bit everywhere. I played a little second, mainly short. I played the most games at short there, uh, and I played a little bit of third, and and I played great at all those positions, and and I can play all those positions. And 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 at the end of the day, I, you know, I I told them two things. Was number one, at the end of the day, whatever I'm going to help the team the most uh, with winning games is where I want to play. Whatever gets me in the lineup, if it's third, if it's second, if it's short, whatever. I, you know, I want to be in the lineup, but I I see myself as a shortstop, and I and I truly believe that there's not another defensive shortstop in the system that I think is better than me. And, and, and they communicated that with me when I was at Instructs um, and they had me play short and, you know, they kept me there. They didn't move me anywhere. And they, they said, you know, we, we like you at short a lot. And we, you know, they were kind of surprised um, because, you know, most guy reports kind of say about, like, you know, I'm kind of a what, kind of versatility utility guy. Um, and so they were, they were a little surprised, but, um, they like me at short a lot, and they're going to continue to put me at short as far as what they've told me. That's cool. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious if you would do a little self-scouting uh, for us. Uh, I'm always interested in, in, like, the approach to, you know, pro hitters. Like, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're up there look, looking in a certain area, if you're looking for a certain pitch, do you, do you change things when the, based on the count? Just kind of curious about mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm a big, I'm big on, you know, I'm always looking for the fastball, but there's definitely scenarios where I change kind of where I'm trying to hit the fastball as far as, you know, my direction. Am I, am I trying to, you know, pull, maybe hit for some more power? Am I trying to go opposite field because the guys don't have a lot of off speed and that, you know, it's a lot of variables and especially with guys in less than two outs, guys in running in scoring position, I'm always thinking, I know the one of the first two pitches is probably going to be an off speed, especially if the base is open. Um, and so I, I definitely take that in consideration. And for me, you know, it's not so much I look off speed. It's more I'm just trying to be a little bit later on the fastball so I can see that off speed pitch better um, and, and, you know, hit it for power. 
And so in my, my, my default approach that I always have is just trying to hit a fastball as hard as I can through the batter's eye. That's what I'm thinking is his hit a fastball through the batter's eye. Cause that keeps kind of keeps me in, in, in a tight, compact and good hitting um, position to be in uh, for all types of pitches. But I, you know, I'm always looking fastball. Um, it kind of depends on the count, you know, kind of what I'm trying to do with the fastball. And um, I just kind of go with that, but with that both sides of the plate, really. Yeah. And I was a little bit curious, like if you, if you, you're probably a natural right-handed hitter or did you grow I up am. lefty? I am. Yeah. So, I so how, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, how, how tough is it to, to be a switch hitter? You, know, you got to get, get swings from each side every game and, and you might go a long time without seeing a lefty. It's definitely challenging. And I, you know, especially me, I, I was a late switcher. I didn't start switch hitting until um, my halfway through my junior year of high school, actually. And oh, so um, it was. It was definitely a a big uh, jump, and it was big on just trying to find a routine that worked for me. Obviously, when I first started, I I took a lot more swings left-handed than right-handed because number one, you're just a lot more right-handed pitchers, and number two, I wanted to kind of uh, take more swings and kind of get that natural feel left-handed. And so it, it was a process, and it took a while, but um, it's it's definitely to this day it's still grind. But but I understand today a lot more of what I need both sides, and I have two different routines. I need both sides of the plate. And so I understand that. And, and, you know, I don't need to take as many swings. And so I, I you know, I don't need, if, if we're having rounds of six, I don't need to take six rounds lefty and righty. For me, I've kind of learned how to take three rounds each side and, and learn how to, um, the, the kind of the feel I'm trying to get both sides of the plate. And, and it's, it's something that I'm really glad I did. And, and I love switch hitting and, and um, it's, it's helped my career for sure. Nice. Good. And so, the, and the last question for you is in terms of just kind of getting away from baseball, because I mean, you, you grew up in a baseball family, obviously. And in uh-huh. terms of even just like, what do you like to do just to get away from everything and just kind of clear your head a little bit? Because it, with, I'm sure you just, we have that as much as practicing and how much work you put into your craft. I'm sure you was was something that just you know what I'm gonna go do this for a day. Um, we've had we've had, we talked to Cody Clemens. They talked about them playing video games and what have you. But what, what's something you like to do that just I'm just getting away for baseball for a day or two. Or for yeah. a couple. I mean, I mean, my, my biggest thing, and this is probably something that not, not as many people know about me, except for a lot of people um, at Instructs learn this. Um, uh, I love to golf. I am a huge golfer. And I grew up, I, I played high school golf competitively. And um, I loved it. And I, I play golf whenever I possibly can uh, on off days. And, you know, when we were at, when, um, when we were playing in uh, during the season, I we had an off day. I'm going, I'm going to go play golf, and that just helped me get my mind off baseball and just have a complete, just a fun time doing it. And um, I played, I, you know, I played with Cody Clemens and Torkelson and Riley Green and all those guys, and 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 we have a great time with it. We we love it, and and um, especially Co- uh, Cody lives here in Houston, so I, I play with him every now and then, and and I just, golf is kind of my thing. And, and especially the rest of my family actually is, they're really good golfers. And so, um, and so that's kind of my, my getaway from baseball. Michigan's got some beautiful golf courses up here. I think Michigan, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, I know we're, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not even, I'm not, I don't even want to call myself a decent golf, right? Slice <laughs> too much, but I know Michigan's got some really good golf courses out here. They have, they, of course they have the, I think the two PGA, they're the, the, 
Um, there's one in Dearborn, but there's on the west side of the state where the West Michigan Whitecaps are. I, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I forget the name, but my, my, I think my dad actually played that course. Uh, but I've heard great things about uh, the golf courses in Michigan. Yeah, like absolutely. Acadia Bluffs or something like that. I don't know what the. I haven't played in like five or six years. I, I one thing you, you mentioned mentioned your dad. He he recently joined the Tigers organization. I didn't know uh, like, yeah how much you he, knew about he, that beforehand or how cool that is or all that, that stuff. Yeah, I mean he he brought it up to me, um, you know, about two months really before he um, decided to join, and and I you know I was I was in I was going crazy and shocked that he even got the opportunity, um, but it made sense because I I know his relationship with with Hinch has been is has been there for a long time they've known each other for a while and so um uh it was uh, it was really cool moment to uh see that and you know have him and you know he had a lot of talks with me he was like hey are you comfortable with this like i understand if you don't want me to do this because you know i want you to do your thing and make your name have your career and all stuff and i you know i told him you're you're absolutely crazy if you don't take this opportunity because he's always he's always dreamt of, of being a big league coach and it's, what better opportunity than than now, uh, especially in the Tigers organization, and, and to also have that chance for me to to work work uh, my way up to Detroit and be able to play for my father. It's not it's something not many people got get to do, and my dad was actually able lucky to do that with his with his dad um, and, and the Astros, and so he he told me that was a really cool moment, and I could tell like you know I was there when he was there for that, and um, that's something I want to do. I, I want to be able to to play in the big leagues and have my dad as a coach. I, I think that's you know, that's unique, very unique and, and a great opportunity for him. I'm excited for him and he's going to do great things and, and the guys are going to love him. And so I, I, that's just a great baseball mind. He's very, very high IQ guy. And so I'm, I'm really excited for him and proud of him for that. So, so I, I've got a whole lot of respect for your dad. Uh, and it's not just because he's a great baseball player. Uh, you know, what, what do you want to go glove? I think, uh, but you know, I'm yeah. 40 years old. And so 20 years ago, I think, yeah, the year 2000 was the first year at Comerica Park. And mm-hmm. I'm 19 and my buddy and I just go there to watch a Blue, uh, Tigers Blue Jays game, I believe it was. And we're just giving yeah. your dad the business in right field. We're just yelling yeah, at him. Yeah, you got to. That's just part of it. Yeah, him. And it was so fantastic. He gave us the finger. And, and he, he, hit it, <laughs> he hit it in his glove. And, we, you know, we saw it. We're like, oh, my God, you see that? And we're yelling at the usher and stuff like that. And uh, I don't know. It was fantastic. It's like that's all you want as a fan is to be acknowledged. And, uh, oh, I, yeah, so that like, is I, awesome. I will forever respect him for that because, yeah, <laughs> it was fantastic. So I just wanted to share uh, well, that with that's, you. That's, no, I appreciate that. That's awesome. And, and another actually fun fact about him at Comerica Party that he hit his – I believe he hit his first home run at Comerica Oh, wow. Party. Yes, he did. Cool. Yes. So yeah. I, I thought that was a. I thought that was also just a weird coincidence there. Yeah. Yeah. Just, cool. Everything comes full full circle. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I know. That is awesome. Uh, Trey Cruz, the third round draft pick in the 2020 draft. Uh, take, thanks for joining us this evening. We look forward to instructs and I, I, yeah, you're right. We hope the baseball starts on time. Some relevance, mm-hmm. like you guys reporting late, you know, mid February into in the March instead of you know, May and all that, which you hear and you kind of just shake your head about, but hopefully everything goes back to normal in 2021. And thank you again. Thanks for taking the time this evening to talk to us. Yeah. Thanks. Trey. No, thanks for having me, man. I had a great time and happy holidays to you guys. Happy holidays. Too. Thanks. See ya. All right. See ya. Yeah. <laughs>